This episode of the Supply Chain Brain Podcast is supported by Blue Yonder, provider of a digital fulfillment platform and end-to-end supply chain management solutions. Be sure and stick around after the discussion for a look at the company and what it offers to customers. But now, on to the podcast. Warehouse and transportation labor is in short supply. How should distribution operations be dealing with it? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. The severe shortage of labor in the warehouse won't be going away in the near future. But for distribution facilities today, it's more than a problem of not enough bodies. The whole definition of what goes on inside a warehouse is radically changing. So, too, are the requirements for staffing. On this episode, we take a close look at the situation with Ryan Uhlenkamp, Vice President of Supply Chain Execution with Blue Yonder. We'll talk about how long the labor shortfall is likely to last, how it relates to a similar shortage of truck drivers, how companies need to innovate in their talent recruiting efforts, and how automation can provide a solution or not. Here's my conversation with Ryan Uhlenkamp. Ryan Uhlenkamp, welcome to the show. Thanks, Bob. Happy to be here. I appreciate you helping me to talk about this subject of understanding the labor shortage, the current labor shortage in warehousing and transportation. I'd like to begin by just asking you to please describe how you see that labor shortage in those two areas right now. What is the situation exactly? I would certainly describe it as very concerning, right? There's roughly 6 million workers in the warehouse and transportation space right now, and Reports indicate somewhere in the range of 400 to 500,000 open positions. And in a world where we've built our supply chains to be just in time, that means they depend heavily on their people to be able to execute. So that impact is, is really significant when you don't have the people. I mean, make no mistake, the labor challenge existed before the pandemic, but it really got put into hyperdrive. And then you had the perfect storm the last couple of years where we've had global pandemic. Ships getting stuck in the Suez Canal, semiconductor chip shortages. So a labor shortage just exacerbates that impact. So I would start with saying it's very concerning. I don't think it's easily solved, and I don't think it's going away anytime soon. It seems to be two issues here. One is the so-called great resignation, which affects mm-hmm. all types of labor in all kinds of industries. But there's a specific aspect to warehousing as well, is there not? Something about that particular sector that maybe makes it even worse than the general business environment. There's certainly a shift going on, right? There's been some reports from a number of different companies saying there's a million square feet of distribution space that's going to go up, right? Of that, mm-hmm. about, about 70% of it is really more focused on micro-fulfillment. So the idea of 500,000 million square foot facilities, that's not what's being popped up right now. It's pop-up distribution. It's closer to the end consumer. It's micro-fulfillment. And it's saying, how do I flow this product, get closer to the end user, get that product in their hands in a different way? 
So even though those smaller facilities might require just a handful of workers, there are a bunch of them all over the place. So maybe that's even more of a challenge than staffing like a big regional million square foot warehouse center on the edge of an urban or, or suburban neighborhood, right? Exactly, because you, you lose that luxury of scale, right? Exactly. Are there regions of the country where it's worse than others? I think it's pretty broad on its impact right now. I mean, you have distribution in the normal corridors where we expect. I would say your small and your medium-sized businesses really tend to take a bigger hit than your large companies in situations like this. Large companies can often throw money at a challenge, whether that be in retention bonuses or wage increases or even accelerated investments in automation, which we're certainly seeing. And that can help reduce the impact. But a, a smaller business doesn't typically have the ability to eat those types of costs, and certainly not for an extended period of time like we've seen. I'd also mm -hmm. say in transportation specifically, that driver shortage is really impactful. If we don't have enough drivers to get the product from the port to the D.C., I'm already working from behind, right? So there just aren't enough drivers to meet that demand. And the drivers we do have, frankly, are, are having to spend too much time doing paperwork, checking in and out of facilities, resolving those exception scenarios, finding the locations within the yard, right, dealing with those types of directions. So there's some research I was reading recently from MIT that showed if we could just add 12 minutes back into a driver's day, from these edge activities, you could make a significant impact on this current driver shortfall situation. So I think we have to look at that and really figure out how to remove some of those pain points and those delays. Yeah, well, the facilities have to learn how to do a better job of processing those drivers and not keep That's them waiting right. for all That's that right. time. Uh, and of course, I, I imagine, is there a similar problem on the outbound side, the so-called last mile from the warehouse to the ultimate consumer or to the store or wherever the product is going? There is an impact there. These would not be the big rig trucks. These would be some delivery vans, Correct. smaller vehicles and the like, yep. but they also require a certain number of drivers. And so I'm just wondering, is that workforce also being challenged? Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen, I think, again, I think that the challenge is pretty widespread, right? It's not mm -hmm. just the big rigs, although because of the qualifications needed for big rigs, that adds a layer of complexity. But these companies that are doing more last mile are struggling to find people to fulfill the products that and the orders that are coming in. Now let's get back for a moment to the specific nature of warehousing itself and the image that it carries, fairly or not, in the minds of prospective workforce about the job might be drudgery, it might be low paying, it might be just not a particularly pleasant environment to be in where you're being measured at every step you take. Does that also contribute to the difficulty of finding a workforce to staff these warehouses? Absolutely. When the pandemic hit, it forced an awful lot of people to step back and take stock of the job they had and assess if they really enjoyed what they were doing, right? Because all of a sudden, mm -hmm. you had a, a lot of different options. There's roles where you could work from home. I mean, I think about the challenges parents face, right? Schools are closing. You have to homeschool children difficulties in finding consistent childcare. I mean, suddenly in that scenario, flexibility in your work life is, is paramount. Wages are not of least importance, right? It's very important. I think the wages themselves, as well as the way in which you're making that wage compared to what the options are. 
right? I was having a conversation last week with a corporate manager oversees a, a large set of distribution centers, and, and he was commenting on how difficult it is to keep order fillers in the distribution center when they can get similar pay and sign on bonuses in the quick serve restaurant space, right? So you're faced with, mm-hmm. do I want to pick cases and hump and work all day, or do I take customer orders and get free food? Picking cases yeah. is hard work. <laughs> On the other hand, automation is here. Robots are here to help solve the problem, at least partially. Maybe not the complete answer, but just how do you see automation as helping the labor situation right now? It is a relief valve, certainly. There's this future vision, right, of the fully automated warehouse or autonomous vehicles. But in practice, we're still a little ways from those truly having an impact, and, and they're definitely not easy and quick to implement. So, that focus of automation, I think, is more at the edge, right? How am I impacting streamlining operations to make a person's job easier? So I talked earlier about trucks showing up at a distribution center and having all that time around paperwork. Now you can leverage cameras for automated trailer check-in, connect directly to a driver's phone, direct them to the yard location where they drop. So I'm taking just making that interaction much simpler. Cameras and other technologies to unlock scanless receiving and tracking within the four walls of a DC. You're seeing geotagging and fleet tracking for real-time visibility. So I can see exactly where my product's at in its transfer, and I can adjust my labor. I can I can make smart decisions and move people in now. Similarly, we've got tracking and cold chain compliance and things like that so that I'm not wasting labor on something that's a breach of the cold chain, right? Rather than even, I don't yeah. even bring it into the distribution center. I reroute it. And then uh, AMRs, autonomous mobile robots, incredibly popular. I think really starting to get a lot of look and impact. You've got to figure out the integration, but there's a ton of benefit there. And within each of these, leveraging AIML for task orchestration. So I'm making sure that when what I do with my labor, I'm smart about. I'm picking the right product at the right place, the right time, considering a myriad of variables and reducing the exceptions and errors. So I think I do think automation is having a significant impact and, and certainly become the focus of many organizations. Back to the image of the job, though. I mean, automation in the general public's mind, the first thing you think of is it takes jobs away from people. On the other hand, could it not be positioned as making the job more attractive because you don't have to walk miles all over the warehouse if the robots are doing it for you? Maybe the robots are doing some of the literal heavy lifting. Maybe it becomes a better environment for workers. So in that respect, doesn't automation help to maybe make the job more attractive? I 100% agree. I think in that model of a good person, the autonomous robot bringing you the product, you're taking that wear and tear off of the human themselves, right? I think... Some of the requirements from a talent maybe shifts to a little more tech savvy, right? Because your interactions and your execution will be done through your phone or with robotics. So you need individuals that can help with that space and understand how to interact. But I actually think that the shift and the change is, is being forced more at the managerial level, right? We've had mm-hmm. to tip the historical practices of talent recruiting on its head, and it's really forcing companies to innovate and look at the talent that they're hiring through a different lens, right? What do I need now? What do I need in the future? How am I coming up with fresh new ways to attract talent? And then how am I nurturing and incentivizing that talent to stay, right? I also think it's forcing companies to look at a more diverse population and be open to training and helping people in their career growth. By doing that, bringing more diversity and 
I mean, by bringing more diversity, you create a more inclusive culture, which has incredible benefits and a sense of belonging and being heard. And I think you can start to leverage automation and the human element and bring it together in a, in a really beautiful way. So the profile of the desired warehouse worker today, as you're saying here, is different from a, like maybe 10 years ago in terms of that person's duties, in terms of that person's training, abilities. There is some difference there. Absolutely. Yeah. You still have some of that traditional requirements, right? I have to be able to handle cases over X pounds, et cetera, et cetera. But that Mm -hmm. walking miles and miles and miles in a warehouse, that requirement changes. Yeah. A number of things in that profile start to shift and change and make the job easier for a person to perform. And we're all interfacing with devices, regardless of where we are in our private lives or on jobs. So I can't imagine that that's too much of a challenge to bring in a warehouse worker and learn to use a system that's probably pretty user intuitive. So that's not really a big obstacle to overcome, is it? I don't think it is. You were seeing before the pandemic a big focus on gamification and user experience, right? I think that that got Mm -hmm. accelerated now. But those types of approaches, like gamification of an interaction, it shortens that learning curve. It makes it much easier to use. And I think I think that just gets yeah. accelerated. Just looking forward, though, are there any other trends or innovations that you see coming down the road that might help to solve this crisis and mm-hmm. new wrinkles on the industry or anything of that kind? And obviously, the robotics field, AMRs, as I mentioned before, now become at the forefront and, and all the different combinations. I mean, you don't have to look far to see all the different types of robotics and capabilities out there. That's, that's really becoming an innovative field and an interesting field to watch. I think you're seeing companies put a greater focus on culture and empathy and work flexibility, a renewal of the employee experience, listening to employees and making sure that we understand the challenges they have and how we adapt to that. It becomes an opportunity for organizations to not only demonstrate their commitment to empathy and inclusion and diversity, but also to put more effort into retention and employee satisfaction. I think we all might start listening a little more, right, after what we've been through. And then I'd say just agility. I think the other thing we really learned, if anything, is we can't predict the specific events that will create an impact, but we have to be able to efficiently shift and adjust when that type of event happens. I think everything gets looked at a little bit more holistically instead of driving just at the margin, right? I think we get better at handling the unknown and the unpredictable by saying, here's how we're going to have backup plans, safety plans, robotics, being able to scale that up. Those types of things suddenly become much, much more interested to companies as they look to the future. But maybe one thing we can predict to the extent that it's, even, it's possible to predict anything, and that is at least in the foreseeable future, flesh and blood human beings are still going to need, be needed for these tasks? 100%. Man, it ain't or going anywhere. I mean, even, even as the greatest technologies come out, we need humans to help implement, to help deliver, and to make sure we can handle all the exceptions. Absolutely. Ryan, tell me a little bit about Blue Yonder, maybe a little bit about the history of the company and what it is you folks are doing now to meet the challenges of the present day. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Blue Yonder has a long history in uh, supply chain transformation space. We've been delivering supply chain solutions for over 35 years. This is personally my 
2020 if you're here. So Blue Yonder is a world leader in digital supply chain and omni-channel commerce fulfillment. We offer an intelligent end-to-end platform. So from planning all the way to execution, that enables retailers, manufacturers, and logistics providers to seamlessly predict, pivot, and fulfill customer demand. Our moonshot, right, is to deliver the autonomous supply chain. And we're continuously working to invest and innovate to deliver on that that vision. It's been an incredible place to work, and I love being here. Over those 30 years, though, your offering must have (laughs) changed quite radically. I mean, I doubt that you were 30 years ago feeling like you were anywhere near the creation of a so-called autonomous supply chain. So how has the product kind of evolved over all that time to what it is today? Great question. When I started, it was all about how do you integrate the conveyor systems, right? And uh, tilt trace Mm -hmm. orders and things (laughs) like that. Certainly now with just the incredible innovations in robots with AI, ML, and the capabilities that you can glean when you leverage technologies like that, you're seeing a dramatic pivot into SaaS-based offerings, microservices, right? So I can increase my time to value, scale at a quicker pace, right? And deliver incremental value over time, right? Continue to speed that up. So gone are the days of large, monolithical, huge implementations, moving to Mm -hmm. shorter, faster speed to deliver something of value and then continually scale. And yet you yourself have the challenge of offering a product that can conform to just about any size of operation from that gigantic warehouse to the micro-fulfillment center, right? Correct. And I think one of the key parts of our strategy is to continually open our interaction but through APIs and through our platform to not single thread innovation to come from us, to allow our partners, our customers to provide innovation and connect that into the solutions we bring to bear. Ryan Eulenkamp, I really enjoyed our conversation. Thanks very much for helping to understand the state of the current labor shortage in warehouse and transportation and some possible solutions going forward, as well as telling me a little bit about Blue Yonder itself. Thanks very much for your time today. Thank you for the time, Bob. It was really nice talking with you. That was my conversation with Ryan Eulenkamp of Blue Yonder, talking about the labor shortage in warehousing and transportation. We thank Blue Yonder for sponsoring this episode. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming and downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn. Follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain, and also watch videos on our YouTube channel. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time.